I'm now terrified. I'm just going to say it. Well, we're here with you to support you and hold you if you need us to. <laughs> I ain't going to feel so, bad about going like to find a soda or something or go make coffee. So let's do <laughs> let's do our uh, let's uh, hi everybody. We're we're this apocalypse now. We're about to watch the first episode of the stand, which these two have already watched. Who are these two? I'm Timothy Harvey. My name is Curtis. Um, and um, I misunderstood our our text conversation. Thought we were watching them together, so I didn't watch them. So uh, I I've walked into. Uh, some very cringy faces tonight, <laughs> um, which scares me because I will tell you this, like the stands, one of my, like, I think probably one of my favorite Stephen King books. I was everybody's favorite Stephen King book. That's like, it's, it's such a like basic answer to be like the stand or, or uh, very basic it? bitch answer. Yeah. Like, what's the other one? Like, I don't read a lot, but I know about I've it. read the stand and I've read the shining. It it is you know, hugely popular with people, and I've loved like I honestly rewatched the miniseries about two years ago. Watched the whole thing again because I thought it was great when it was on. I've watched it several times since. Oh, I've seen that. Um, I've seen the whole thing a million times. Oh gosh, and I just I legitimately love Whoopi Goldberg. Like she reminds me so so much of my aunts on my mother's side. She seems almost like a family member to me because I've watched almost everything she's ever done and I just love her and she really does resonate with the way my family is. So I don't know. I just have a lot of affection for her. And so when I heard she was involved in this, I was excited. It has a stellar cast. I I, I am not going to for a second say that this this is miscast in any way. I look, we are going to watch this episode, and when we come back, let's be a little pause here. When we come back, we will discuss the episode. Oh, by the way, the person who didn't introduce himself at the beginning of this show is Dustin Adair. I am, aren't I? Yes. So there you go. You're all caught oh. up, and we're about to get Dustin caught up with the first episode of the CBS All Access series, The Stand. Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. So, you know how when somebody tries to explain to you, like, book seven of the, you know, Eldritch Scrolls of Aresia series, ah. and you're like, <laughs> they're like, well, okay, so there's there's Jennifer, and, you know, she started off as a stable girl, but, like, really, it turns out that she's supposed to be the Night Herald, and everybody's really confused because... I did, Night Herald's always a man and Jennifer's not a man. Well, she dies like in book three. So you don't really know anything about her, but she's the most important character for three books. But 
you have to know that she existed because to know that she existed means you know how that and you sit there and you're like right okay yeah <laughs> and then when the conversation is finished you're like i can't believe that that happened to me <laughs> that is how i feel about episode one of the stand the only way that i was able to keep track of what was going on at all was because i had very very recently last year read the reread the stand so as an editor (laughs) (laughs) i have two major problems with this episode the first is once upon a time there was a tv show called lost And while Lost was a very interesting show, and you can argue about the ending all you want, it was an interesting show from the beginning to end, satisfying or not. And one of the things that Lost did, I think probably combined with Memento, is it really impressed people that you could do interesting things with nonlinear storytelling. Right. You would have a storyline going at one time, then you would have flashbacks to establish characters and build up things and and try and, you know, make, give you backstory, but still propel the story forward, right? This... Well, that, in Lost, that works because they were making that shit up as they went along. And then when they went, took a left turn, they go, oh, we better put on a backstory for this. Otherwise, nobody's going to buy it. So they do a flashback and that's how it worked. Well, not only that, but they had like, you know, multiple seasons to do it. Well, in. and also, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. also Lost did mm-hmm. this great thing where it like established who the characters were and what you were supposed to feel about them in, in really strong, broad gestures within about 15 minutes of the show, of the first subverted- episode of the show. And then, and then it sometimes subverted that by going into the flashback and showing you that this person that you think was this way was right. maybe not. It was a really interesting form of storytelling that unfortunately a lot of shows have decided they need to do things with in the same model. Not everybody, thankfully, but this is an example of how you don't do it. Right. Because we have basically two timelines running here. And of course, one is the virus has gotten out. Captain Trips is ravaging the world. And then we have five months later where our main characters are sort of introduced in the lives they're living now. Only one character is introduced in the, in the, in the post, post-apocalypse timeline. And that's Harold. We only see we see Fran and uh, Steve Redmond uh, for five freaking seconds. Yeah, they have circumvented the entire one of the main themes of uh, through this edit. One of the main themes of the stand is how everybody comes together. Right. Well, they just. They're like, fuck it, everybody's already together and we'll flash back the rest of it. Right. I, I spent of- the whole time con- comparing this show to the original and 
The storytelling is better, even though it's a, you know, shot on shot on video for TV. What twenty five years ago, uh-huh. and ah um, oh, man, it's just this. It's not working because the storytelling is too jagged. It's right. serrated. And I don't understand the play, the placement of character. Here's here's where this is. This was one of the big stumbling blocks. The first thing that hit me about uh oh, like as an uh oh, <laughs> was why Harold in episode one. Harold is an important character in the sand. He is one of the main characters, but. Harold's introduction through Franny is extremely important because Franny's more important than Harold. And the things that Fran does is much more important than, I mean, I just don't understand why, why they chose, okay, who's our POV character for episode one? Oh, Harold Water, the, you know, the, the crazy writer who ends up, you know, betraying and murdering everybody. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is it like where we and then <laughs> and then to show by the end of the episode that he is not trustworthy. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Blowing so, their wad all over the place. Well, and, and here's here's the other issue with the edit. Okay, you have nine episodes to tell a over well over a thousand page novel. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of information packed into that book. Now, do you need nine hours? The original miniseries did it in less time. Okay, sure. But they also cut a lot of stuff out. They got rid of some characters. They got rid of some backstory stuff. But they also jumped into the action a lot earlier. They set up the first things you see in the original miniseries were people dying, mm-hmm. people dying en masse. Yeah, don't fear the Reaper, dude. Right, yeah, yeah. So, actually, there's three problems with the edit. Um, <laughs> so, problem number two is a sense of scale because with the exception of some stuff we see on some video screens or a few shots of the town that, that they leave from where Harold mm-hmm. leaves from. Well, it's still, you know, sees a couple of dead people. It's very intimate. There's not, a, I mean, you, there, your first sense of scale and admittedly this comes early on is the church full of dead people. But even that, even when later we come back to the mass graves, the sense of scale is really pulled in on this. And the third problem is that it drags. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. I mean, it, it moves. Now, I have no problem with slow motion storytelling. If this was not something that a significant chunk of the people who are going to watch this had already seen, if this was a brand new series that was going to run for, you know, 10 episodes, 12 episodes, season one, season two, season three, I can see this playing out 
for me at least very differently in terms how I'm reacting to it. Mm-hmm. But I know this story. I know mm-hmm. how it unfolds. And so to spend as much time as we spend in one ninth of the story and to only move the story along this far and with as few characters as we've moved along the story with so far, I don't know how the hell they're going to tell the story of the stand in nine episodes. The, the, the assumption is that everybody knows the story of the stand. There's no surprises to be had. There's no development to be achieved. But that's and terrible that, storytelling. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the like, problem, I, audience, we're not even going to try. Yeah, and the the thing is, the thing that irritates me about the way that this is set up is exactly what you said. This is set up in the in the in 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 the idea. Oh, everybody knows the stand. Everybody's read the stand. Everybody's seen the miniseries. But that's not that's not necessarily one hundred percent true. What if I wanted to use this to introduce my kids to Stephen King, or to my older two to Stephen King? Mm-hmm. And and you know this is a series based on a really good book that I like. Here, watch it with me. And, and then, because I would have had to have done that crazy book six of the Knights of Perderia thing with them. Okay, all right. So Harold, like, <laughs> yeah, you got to know who Harold is because Harold's important, but. Why they're starting with him, I don't know. But Fran, the one who's in the background of Harold's story, she's the important one. And I don't know why they decided to give her like a suicide attempt uh, situation, because that's not in the book and it's not in the early memory series. They've already done this once as a mini series. Like it would be horrible to try and sit there with somebody who'd never seen this. Well, it kind of begs the question why the shit did they do this? And why that- did they do it like this? What are they trying to prove? Because they're not, it's not working. And I get that there is a global pandemic and this is semi-relevant to that. But I, in April, around the first of April or something, I just decided I can't wait to not read your COVID play. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and this has been in production since like 2018 because Whoopi Goldberg's had white dreads for two years now. Yeah. This, this was done filming before we were in the midst of all of this Mm -hmm. and it, you know, the timing, the timing is what the timing is. There's something there's, you know, there was no intent to make it timely. Unfortunately, it happens to be, but what concerns me about the storytelling here is there there may be a plan right there this may be intentional this may be they they're doing this for a reason well clearly they're doing it for a reason yeah but i mean the whatever that reason is it may come into sharp focus for us and we'll sit there and go oh i get it but okay you, the, the the tv show agents of shield <laughs> God. Okay, um, which is actually a really good show. If you've uh-huh. not watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's actually really well done. It's a great Marvel TV show. Except for, like, the first 12 episodes of season one, which are terrible. And it's not the fault of the cast or the crew or necessarily even the writers of the show because they had a mandate from Marvel that they needed to be tied needed to tie into the movies. 
And so the first half of the season had to play out a certain way because it had to tie into, I don't even remember what movie it was. Thor it the was, Dark it World was or something. Thor the Dark World. Okay, so which is, which is not the best thing to tie into anyway. Um, it's the weakest of the Thor movies. And, and Bullshit. Oh. No, no, you're right. You're right. You, never mind. Never mind. I didn't say anything. Edit that shit out. <laughs> so, but once it got past that, once those restrictions were off, the show was really engaging with well-written characters and, and cool for TV budget effects. And the problem is they hemorrhaged viewers in those first 12 episodes. It was one of them. I stopped watching it after like, like seven. Yeah. Their numbers plummeted to like stupid low levels the fact it actually ran for the full run of this of the show that it had like six seasons was kind of amazing because in if it hadn't been backed by marvel money and a marvel plan it would have been canceled boom done because of the number fall off this is the same thing if you have not seen The Stand, if you have not read The Stand, if you were not invested in seeing where this show is going to go, you there's a good chance you watched this episode and went, what else is on? Which is a shame because there's so many great actors in this, in this show. I mean, it's stacked full of really talented performers. Well, they, they certainly didn't spend any money on, on good voiceover actors, so... All of the radio, all the radio bits are just, it's like Stephen King directed those. (laughs) Well, the president president is Brian Cranston, by the way, (laughs) making a voice appearance. Unbelievably mediocre job for Brian Cranston. I expect. Well, but I mean, it's, it's meant to be, it's a, it's the same thing in the book where the president comes on and is basically just. Hi there. I'm here to lie to you about things and cough I a lot. I, I think I have some perspective as to why maybe this isn't working, this show. Mm. The original uh, 1994, The Stand, was directed by Mick Garris, mm-hmm. and it was written by Stephen King. This one is directed by Josh Boone, Bridget Salvage Cole, Daniel Crudy, Tucker Gutas. Chris Fisher and Vincenzo Natal. Just and this episode? No, this is the full series. Oh. Um, and the series writing credits, uh, Josh Boone, Benjamin Cavill, uh, Jill Killington, Owen King, Nate Lee, and Stephen King. Um, I've never seen that many writers and directors. Well, I've seen every, you know, like a regular television series will get several different directors and several different writers but if you've got one project and six different visions from two different angles no it's not going to work well okay so i will i will argue that in the fact that for series like this that's often the way that american tv does it Uh, uh lovecraft country did the same thing yeah, and it suffered here and there for from, and, from that and too, I, yes, remember. yes, it does. But also, you know, Stephen King being the screenwriter for something, um, he has written a number of screenplays <laughs> that only were goodish because the director was goodish, and certainly you don't want him directing anything, Maximum Overdrive. 
uh, or or I can't remember anything because of the cocaine. I, I remember really liking Maximum Overdrive. Now it's probably been 21 years since I've watched it. It's an example of it's so bad. It's at least entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yardley is good because it's not good. Yardley Smith is wonderfully memorable in that because <laughs> she she and her boyfriend Curtis, which is why I remember that scene. Oh, okay. like, oh he's got my name. And she's going courteous, courteous, so, and it reminds me of my elderly mother. <laughs> Anywho, fucking. Stephen King, when he wrote the first one, he understood what his own vision for that story was, and it went, I think it was very successful in telling the story that he told in the book. I don't know what the fuck they're doing here. Mm-mm. Yeah, and I think that, again, there may be a clear and definite plan and reason they're doing it this way. And like, maybe, maybe we sit there and go, oh, got it. But how many people are going to have checked out before you get to that? If it it even happens. You both were so like, I I mean, I don't know if you got this recorded earlier, but you guys were so disappointed when I was like, I thought we were watching this together. And you're both like, I guess we can watch it again. Again, and I was like, oh, "But don't do that! Don't don't be like, you know. Oh no, we have to watch it again. You know, <laughs> I want to see that. I'm I won't be watching the second one again. I know that you're on your own there, bud. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, if we keep watching this and talk about and talk about it, like you know, hey, did you see episode four? God, that was fucking awful. And then you say, "Yep, I agree." That would be all i need <laughs> so because I mean, i'm getting nothing out of this show i, will I love say, it when i'm kept on the edge of my damn seat and there that is not happening i will say that watching it again i really found that my favorite character so far is the doctor dr jim ellis played by hamish linklater who is just trying to save people mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's funny and he's dep- self-depreciating and he's ultimately a tragic character because you know he's not one of the main characters so he's going to die it's built into the plot but his just attempt to be doing the right thing in the midst of all of this and I'm not sure that that's a win for the show when the character I'm happiest to see again as I watch it for the second time is a character who's got, what, five minutes of screen time? Mm. Definitely under 10. And, you know, his whole, I'm going to die and there's nothing I can do about it. Okay, fine. <laughs> it's just... I mean, there's just something about the character that that I'm like, okay, appealed to you. Yeah. yeah, I liked I liked him too. And the thing that struck stuck out to me in the Stu Redman parts were that he seems he has a much better interaction and relationship with the authorities than he does in the book or the earlier miniseries, because the there is no two doctors. 
there's only the asshole doctor that comes in at the very end of his stay to kill him uh, that he escapes from. That was funny that they were, I was like, oh, at least we got to, you know. Not only that, the there's a very different view of the military here than we are used to seeing in apocalyptic films, which I'm okay with because mm-hmm. we've talked about this on this Apocalypse Now talking about the Fear the Walking Dead or The Walking Dead or any other show that we've dealt with in Apocalypse, which is how quickly the military just goes feral in Apocalypse movies. How they just immediately, the chain of command goes out the window and people become just psychopathic murderers or they're setting up their own little societies over here. You know, and it's just, I mean, sure, there are going to be people who do that. But again, it comes back to the the apocalyptic thing where humanity is just the worst. And how did they get J.K. Simmons? Like, this show is cast really, really well. Like, and I guess, I guess really you just have to have J.K. Simmons' telephone number because he has won an Oscar and he still plays the voice of the yellow Eminem. Well, <laughs> and if you're going to have someone come in and basically do what a, essentially is an info dump, mm-hmm. you might as well get J.K. Simmons to do it. Right. Uh, because at least, and you know, like I said, it's just, it was nice to actually see the military be portrayed as being professional mm-hmm. and acting overall like they were supposed to. I mean, it still falls apart. I mean, we get to the same point. But, you know, the look on his face and he's like, it was really nice that it lasted longer than we thought it was going to. (laughs) The military, while it has its flaws in apocalyptic fiction, is always a villain. And a million years ago, Dustin and I sat on his couch and discussed the fact that the the Walking Dead series we wanted to see was the military base where they said let's do something about this and it was following along with the platoon that was going out into the world and killing zombies because that was their job somewhere somewhere there is a podcast where we talk about this it's basic math curtis that if you like i i think i I had looked up the 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 population of atlanta or something Mm -hmm. Or, or, or Georgia. I looked up the population of Georgia and it was like 38 million or something like that. And I was like, with the amount of walkers that they kill on this show, they should be running out in Georgia. <laughs> and like, there would be no problem. Like if you had a, a military caravan whose whole job was to go and mow down walkers, you could probably clear out a county at least in a couple of days, maybe even a state in a month. You could do you could do it from the air in like two hours. Right. If you're, so, well, the, you the problem with doing it from the air is that, you know, odds are good you're killing survivors. You want to try to avoid that. Yeah. But it's it's become such a trope of 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 any kind of it really any kind of story where a military thing is involved that they're the ones who are going to go crazy and like, you know, or we have orders to shoot all these innocent baby puppies. So we got to shoot all these baby puppies and nobody goes, there's no reason to shoot the baby puppies. 
you know, or, oh, it's our order. So we got to do it when actually that is, there are, you know, official mandates for the military. That's like, if you are given an illegal or an unjust or unethical order, it's your job to not follow that order. That was Mm -hmm. a whole movie. It was a few good men. It's about that order. Right. So it's nice to see the military not be painted immediately as the villains of everything in here. That said, J.K. Simmons is in the show for like five minutes. (laughs) The interesting and sympathetic doctor is in the show for like five minutes. Even the evil soldier guy, who is our one nod of the head to bad soldiers, is only in the show for like five minutes. God, that was like, they did... I was thinking about his character in particular, his, his character arc, right? Um, you're, you're right. He's only in the show for five minutes because apparently in a writer's meeting or a production meeting, they decided we need to establish a relationship that people will just assume is right. <laughs> it won't be explained or anything. They'll just be antagonists. We'll just say yeah. that. You're, uh, you're later. It's no surprise when he shows up and tries to. It's fucking lazy. He's the designated bad guy, right? Yeah. Now, I will say that along with the fact that there's some very good acting happening overall, for all that Harold is just creepy and awful, performed well. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Owen T is the actor. I had no problem with the performance. I my problem is. Our introductory character, the character we're going to spend 40 of our 53 minutes with is Harold Lauder, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's establish him as a put-upon nerd, but ultimately who has kind of, he's, he's got a bad crush on Franny, but ultimately he's a good guy. And then slowly over the course of our nine episodes, as we get to his betrayal, which, you know, is coming, we all know is coming. Let's slowly but surely let everybody know that he's actually unstable or whatever. But this whole like start off, start off the fucking show be of like, okay, we're going to introduce Harold. He's our in- introductory character. Even Stu Redmond is not as like the audience surrogate character as Harold is in this episode. True. But we're going to establish early on that he is a scumbag and a creeper and a villain. And by the end of the episode, you're like, oh yeah, he's completely nuts. Mm-hmm. Well, Okay, here's let me revise my earlier. I'll be more specific about the writing credits and the directing credit, right? Okay, okay Josh Boone directed this one. Yes. Um, I have, I don't know what else he's done. Um, the New Mutants movie, he was the director of the New Mutants movie. Okay, Aww. fair enough. Poor haven't, guy, haven't seen that. It's perfect. He acceptable. also, he also has the a credit for the teleplay and a credit for the development of. Mm-hmm. And right. also Benjamin Cavill, I don't know what he did. He uh, gets a teleplay and developed by, and Stephen King's only writing, writing credit is based on the novel by. Oh. He's not involved. Oh, no, he's involved. In fact, he writes the, he's written the final episode of the show. 
And here's oh, where here's the other seen. wrinkle to that is that the final episode of the show is all new material. Which is cool, potentially. The problem is, is that that actually means we don't have nine episodes to tell the story of The Stand. We have eight. Which means this has sort of compounded the issue that we were talking about, where how are you going to tell this over a thousand page book in a mere nine episodes when you're not you're doing it in eight episodes so there's another hour just shaved off your storytelling time i'm not saying it can't be done i'm saying that if the rest of the show stays the same pace as this episode i don't know how you're going to do it i don't want them to do it anymore (laughs) curtis is done you'd like to go home (laughs) you will watch every episode of this curtis and you will like it you know and i'm not a hundred percent on board with the casting of this either it's it's okay you know it's okay um i don't we've not seen enough of the cast Mm. for us to be okay or not okay anybody long enough to make well, any determination yet yeah i mean the, the folks we hero. see in this episode are fine they i'm i have i am on board with these actors playing these parts i have no this, problem these actors this episode are playing is called, these parts the episode is called the end and that is if you really get a good pry bar you can wedge in some theme to this that matches the title it really does kind of show the end of things, not in a very new way or an interesting way, but the, you know, they there's a lot of corpses around mm-hmm. the whole time. You know, the most effective corpse scene, and and the other thing is that the the effects of the virus on people is kind of interesting, and they were not shy about showing you know pus and bile and that sort of stuff. The most effective scene of just seeing a lot of dead people that really kind of evoked the don't fear the reaper sequence of the miniseries, the original miniseries was when Stu is escaping from the facility and he's just seeing room full of people, you know, just going every room has got corpses in it. That was actually the most effective sequence. And at the end of the episode, we even get the beginnings of all of this. We see, you know, this this outbreak. We see it escape from the facility. We see mm-hmm. the soldier running away and carrying it with him. And even that wasn't as effective for me at evoking that same kind of grim, fatal, the world is coming to an end moment that we got from the original miniseries at the very beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. As we got as Stu, which is what? 50 minutes into the episode? Yeah. Where no, we finally made, see it's that. A, it's such a mistake. The thing that they're doing, the way that they're presenting this is, so, I mean, I can't, we've all been, I don't, it's such a mistake, Tim. I'm, <laughs> well, I wouldn't cut it like this. This is, I, this is. I wouldn't, it's not about cut. It's about writing. They sat in a room and were like, what's the best way to tell this story? Oh, I know, completely out of order and disjointed. Oh, no, it's, and, it, Ain't nobody said, oh, maybe that's really a bad mistake. 
Did well, you guys notice that the general kind of vibe of it was very Stephen King movies and TV shows always have a very specifically specific kind of vibe that's usually driven by the dialogue, mm-hmm. which is which is perfectly natural for a novel, but does not ring quite right. In, mm-hmm. If you're in conversation on screen, um, a good actor can make whatever sound cool. That's the job. But uh, and these guys did that, too. But it's still that vibe is there. It's it's like uh, when there's like little tangential moments uh, um, like, what, what, why do you why do you collect movies? And the guy's like, I like this movie because they fuck on a train. I'm like, that that's that's somebody trying to write like Stephen King. Mm hmm. And, you know, a thing that I've noticed that people do that has been like Frank Darabont was really, really good at this. And I've seen that some other people who've adapted uh, the It movies did this really well. They take the music, the music fills almost fills in some of that work, too. Like, you know, yeah, his dialogues can be weird, but it fits. And, you know, he names people like it's 1960, like 55. (laughs) <laughs> no res- no no one modern would be named Francis no girl there there ain't a 19 year old girl running around right now named Francis Goldstein or you know, Goldstein she does not exist well you know Fr- she'd be now I, mean, I could see someone naming their kid Francesca mm-hmm. it was, you know and I'm surprised she's like would you just call me Frankie because I'm a bit of a tomboy. Right. I'm so I'm still very irritated the fact that she uh, I yeah, I don't know. It's like when you eat uh some cool ranch Doritos, but then you're like, "Oh, those are tasty." And then you go to the store and you get the at the dollar store they have this dollar bag. You're like, "Hey, it's it's, it's cool ranch." And then you grab yeah. it and it's utterly flavor it's different it's just it's the same but you can tell they save the some chips money are a little too thick and yeah, or it's yeah. like accidentally thinking you're not picking up the bag that's got the dill flavored chips <laughs> you think you're picking up like the sour cream and onion but you accidentally pick up the dill flavored chips and and maybe you like dill flavored chips and that's great or you're like sure me do. who thinks that dill flavored chips are a bad and terrible thing and should never have been allowed to happen i don't think you should eat them if you're too young they kind of fuck your palate up for life i think i don't think you should eat them at any stage they're they're potatoes should not take taste like pickles i think beef jerky could taste like pickles i'd be okay with that i don't don't think that's necessary like a good teriyaki jerky i do too oh my gosh do you remember that jerky that that general store made on the set of fetch Oh, it was so good. I never tried it. I never tried it. <laughs> it was like people are going to look up the movie Fetch. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> it was like paper thin, Curtis, and it was so crunchy and so meaty and like sweet and salty. It was so good. And they made it there. Yeah. You know what you should have done, dude? Throw mm. it in the microwave for about 15 seconds. That brings out the flower of jerky it's you know what i like to do with a jerky Hmm. um i like to add it to things that i'm boiling you know i've i have chopped up little strips of jerky and thrown it in ramen noodles that's 
basically that's pemmican ramen noodles mm -hmm. what you're doing minus the blueberries i don't know what pemmican is it's i love oh i'm so glad you asked uh, pemmican Pem Pem pemberton is a <laughs> penny penny bun that thing that food is dried beef <laughs> chopped up really fine and then dried berries mixed in and you can put that in like a ziploc bag and keep it on your shelf for like 70 years mm. and you can eat it on when you're on the trail you know and uh and that's it's a survival food that they had back in the old timey days. Oh, you yeah. might have to hardtack and pemmican, pemmican, better, better that than hardtack. Well, they would put their hardtack on there or they put their pemmican on their hardtack and eat that. I mean, because that was what you had in your pack. You know, if you were a Civil War soldier or something like that, that's that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that alongside with, uh, you know, all the horrible diseases you caught and died from. So <laughs> I like to, uh, I like to fancy up some, some top ramen. You know, I, if, like if, if there were, okay, first of all, I'm going to be honest with you guys back in March, I thought we would be in, in, in this stage of the stand by now where we're all moving to fucking Boulder. <laughs> Because an old lady in our dreams told us to. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen with me. I'm going to get a glowy rock and and move to Vegas, where I'm sure there's tons of water. Mm. I've been to Vegas. It's a I've place. I don't it's need a, to go again. It's a cesspool, man. No, no offense to our Vegas listeners. <laughs> Just kidding. Fuck you. Uh <laughs> I would. I wouldn't mind going. Like you know, I I went to a strip club one time and was like, this is a weird anthropological experience. Uh, I do the same thing with Vegas. Like, my cousin uh, David goes there like three times a year. He loves it. The oh, only man. reason I went to Vegas is my, my former theater director was teaching out there. He uh, At a high school that their theater budget was gigantic. I mean, it was, but of course, it's in many ways, it's a theater town. I mean, it's all stage production, right? Mm -hmm. And so, of course, they've spent a lot of money on their high school theater. They, their scene shop was two stories tall so that they could build sets that were two stories tall yeah. and roll them from the scene shop like half a block to the stage. I mean, this place was gigantic. It was incredible. And so we went and we did like a little mini theater reunion with a bunch of our, the theater kids got together and we, we went down and, and visited. And it was a lot of fun. I don't gamble, so it, that appeal wasn't there for me. But I literally, my my sinuses locked up every time I walked into a casino. Because if you've ever wanted to know what desperation smells like, walk into a casino in Vegas. No, it's the smell of alcohol, sweat, cigar smoke, cigarette smoke, but hanging over it all is the smell of desperation. I did not know what that smelled like until I went to Vegas. It's a sad, sad place. Um, if I'll tell you what though, I, if in, in, in the stand world, I would probably go there. I would feel more comfortable there. But as soon as there was any opposition to us, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go on their side. They look better, but now, I, I would go in Vegas because I, 
I would hopefully this would have happened a decade ago when the Star Trek experience was still running because that's the only that when I went out there, <laughs> that's why I went. It wasn't and there. When I, I would. Was going. I would that would be my living room the the bridge of the enterprise I would just that would be mine and I would kill for it I did have I I had a great time while I was there but it was the people I was hanging out with and it was the exploring a new city well, I think that that's any before. anywhere you go yeah you but know, I mean it, it's an interesting place to visit you know with. if you've never been I say definitely go and if you like to gamble it's a great place to go gamble and the desert is beautiful and it's an interesting place, but I don't know that I need to go back. Fucking I feel Boulder. It's supposed to be Denver, I thought, in the book. And they're remember. in Boulder. No, it was it was the Mile High City, whichever one that is. Denver. Denver. Maybe they just, you Boulder. know. Denver. I can't remember. I literally read the book this last year, and I can't remember. It's absolutely pointless to change it from Denver to Boulder. I, who knows if they changed it or not. I do. It is. I, I oh, know that. Curtis actually knows. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, I I can't remember. Um, I think that if I were in this universe and I had survived and I was, I don't, I feel like I would maybe uh, be being called by Mother Abigail to Denver, Boulder, wherever it's supposed she'd to be. Have, she'd have you on speed dial. You're, you're, you're wonderful. <laughs> But I feel like I might not actually go. It might just be like, I'll get around to it. And then the next thing I know is like, the war happened? Like, I was on my way. (laughs) She would be so up your ass every day. Oh, yeah. No, you'd be waking up in the middle of the night. Oh, God, I dreamed I was there again. She was like, Dustin, what is the matter with you? Get over here. There's a ranch. Get off your butt. Yeah. (laughs) Waiting for it. All right. I don't know what else we can say about this first episode. I mean, okay, I will say this. I thought The Stranger, Billy Joel's The Stranger, when Flag first appears, I thought was cute. It amused me because, mm. of course, that's one of one of Flag's many, many names, I'm pretty sure, is The Stranger. And so using Billy Joel's The Stranger as his intro song is a nice little humor bit. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy the 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 choice of the the Black Sabbath tune. Yeah, that was good. It is. I don't know. I mean, we'll return to the stand in no some way. form or another. Mm-hmm. Curtis will watch every episode of the series and and enjoy yeah. every second of it. I'm yeah. not taking a bullet for this one. This one can go fuck itself. I, I don't, I'm not, maybe I'll watch it, I don't know, in a year or something, just watch the whole thing at once, get it over with. But I was crawling. I was, what the second run through, mm-hmm. I went through my office here and I gathered up all my trash and I, you know, bagged it up and I get, I was, I was cleaning instead of paying attention. And that is... <laughs> That is how I can tell if that's a show for me or not. And and you're right. <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. about season four or something like that. I do the same thing. I kind of got to know how it ends. Ah, shit. It's never going to end. <laughs> well, we Why did they make the good guy the bad guy? That was terrible. 
If you have opinions about The Stand, if you thought episode one was great, or if you found episode one to not be great, or episode two to be great or not great, let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on podcast.com or Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a rating. You can leave us a comment. Uh, ratings and comments are, of course, I'm sure you hear this on every podcast in the world, useful for helping other people find the show. So please let us know what you think and let us know what your opinion is. Like and subscribe. All those fun things. So we hope that you've enjoyed listening to us not enjoy this episode. And uh, I'm sad about it. I'm honestly like, I think I'm, I don't know if I have been this bummed out about not liking something mm-hmm. in a while. Like, because I feel like we went into world beyond like, this is going to be bad, right. but I'm bummed out that oh, I, that yeah. this if is you're, as bad as it is. If you're a fan of the stand, whether the book or the original miniseries, this is a very different thing. And right now that's not great. So fingers crossed it gets better. We'll find out one way or the other. <sighs> How many episodes do you think would be fair for me to soldier through? I would say get to four. And then okay. if four hasn't done it for you, then. But remember, we're watching three and four together. Fair enough. We're, right. We're okay. not doing a, a, and you know, this might be like going to Vegas. We'll just, it we'll just sucks, it. but we're doing it together. as. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, folks, for listening to us grouse about the stand. We'll do this again on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Justice for Franny. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.